Sessions. This Saturday morning on Gesundheit with Jacobus, I like to tackle the previously promised topic of estrogens. Estrogens play important roles in life. However, when estrogens reach a state of imbalance with specific other hormones, all kinds of health troubles may arise. It's Gesundheit with Jacobus. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning to you. It is May 4th, 2019. I appreciate you are joining the program. It's so nice that more and more I hear people say, I hear your show. And I have listened listened to your show, or I listen regularly, and it's much appreciated. There is a lot of work going into it. Hopefully, you can pick up something that you say, oh, never heard about it that way, or I never put the links together. And that is what this program is all about, health, healing, and healthy lifestyles with the experts. Give you a chance to learn something from the eyes, the views, the minds of those in the know. And I can just tell you how appreciative I have been all these years that I have found so many people either locally or nationally, nationwide, who have joined me in the mornings to talk about good health. And that's what the word Gesundheit means. I want you to know that as we share information on a program such as this, We always have to be careful that it doesn't come across like we are diagnosing, treating, or giving you a cure. The information is always about helping you get better health. The purpose of the show is really to educate, inform, and entertain, and always recommend that you see a physician of your choice. Find a book or magazine, reputable writers, go to the internet, find reputable articles about topics of your interest, and just become the best you can be. See how it's practical. If you have any questions, just ask. I really appreciate that. So thanks for tuning in today. The topic is going to be estrogens. I decided to look at different avenues how to approach it. We have to, of course, understand what estrogen is all about. We also want to, I would like to understand and explain more. I want to understand for myself the effect that estrogens can have on men, women, children, animals, as well as the environment. And what, therefore, I feel what you will accomplish today is that we are in a time especially I would say the last 50 years in which the exposure to estrogenic compounds have been accelerating to a point where things are literally out of control. And we are seeing diseases and disorders in people, in animals, even in the environment that is primarily caused by the exploitation of estrogens why? I don't know. Um, is there a plan? For me, 
we have to look at the facts. And the facts, once we know them, we can discuss what we can do about it possibly, how we can protect ourselves from certain toxins. And yes, there are solutions out there, there are options available for all of us to make sure that when estrogens become too dominant, there's estrogen dominance, that doesn't mean that you have too many estrogens, it just means there is an imbalance between estrogen production or estrogen exposure and other hormones that need to be lifted up in order to create that balance. But we'll get to that as the show progresses. I thought maybe a good idea to talk a little bit about estrogens, and I decided to go to Wikipedia and just look things up so at least we have a baseline from which we can climb, so to say. We can move forward or climb out of the out of the hole, so to say, so we can see some daylight by 11 o'clock. Estrogen is, or oestrogen is O-E, estrogen, uh, just oestrogen, is the primary female sex hormone. It is responsible for the development and regulation of the female reproductive system and secondary sex characteristics. There are three major endogenous estrogens in females. So endogenous means it is made inside the body. Exogenous means it is coming from outside the body. So there are three major major endogenous estrogens in females that have estrogenic hormonal activity. And I tell you, I am surprised, maybe not, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Many men have never heard of the word estradiol. Many women have not heard of the other estrogens. They just know estrogen. They don't know that there are actually four. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know there was a fourth one. I knew there were three. It is knowledge, therefore, that I feel is important to tackle today on the program because it is too vast. There are three major endogenous estrogens in females that have estrogenic hormonal activity, estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estrone, E-S-T-R-O-N-E. Estrodiol, E-S-T-R-A-D-I-O-L. And estriol, E-S-T-R-I-O-L. Then there is the estrain steroid Estradiol is the most potent and prevalent of these. Estrogens are synthesized in all vertebrates as well as some insects. Their presence in both vertebrates and insects suggests that estrogenic sex hormones have an ancient evolutionary history. The three major naturally occurring forms of estrogen in females are estrone, as I mentioned, is E1, estradiol, E2, and estriol, E3. There is another type of estrogen called estetrol, is spelled E-S-T-E-E-S-T-E-T-R-O-L, estetrol, that is E4, which is produced only during pregnancy. I didn't know that. I do know that estriol, E3, is high during pregnancy. I didn't know that estetrol was was only produced during pregnancy. Quantitatively, estrogens circulate at lower levels than androgens in both men and women. So androgens are the male hormones. While estrogen levels are significantly lower in males compared to females, 
estrogens nevertheless also have important physiological role in males. Like all steroid hormones, estrogens readily diffuse across the cell membrane. So that means they, they move around and they easily get absorbed. They easily get absorbed by the cells. And it is that we have on the cell wall, on the membrane of the cell, we have estrogen receptors. Once inside the cell, they bind to an active estrogen receptor, which in turn modulate the expression of many genes. Additionally, estrogens bind to and activate rapid signaling membrane estrogen receptors. In addition to the role as natural hormones, estrogens are used as medications. For instance, in menopausal hormone therapy and hormonal birth control for information. Okay, so that is that. The, so the four major naturally occurring estrogens, as I mentioned, estrone, estradiol, estriol, estetrol. Estradiol is the predominant estrogen during reproductive years, both in terms of absolute serum levels. Serum levels means in the blood, so absolute blood levels as well as in terms of estrogenic activity. During menopause, estrone is the predominant circulating estrogen, and during pregnancy, estriol is the predominant circulating estrogen in terms of serum levels. Now, given by subcutaneous injection in mice, so literally injection in mice, estradiol is about tenfold more potent than estrone. 10-fold more potent than estrone, and about 100-fold more potent than estriol. Thus, estradiol is the most important estrogen in non-pregnant females who are between the early uh, premenstrual time, or menstrual time, and menopause stages of life. However, during pregnancy, this role shifts to estriol, and in postmenopausal women, estrone becomes the primary form of estrogen in the body. The estetrol is produced only during pregnancy. All of the different forms of estrogen are synthesized from androgens, specifically testosterone and androstenedione by the enzyme aromatase. So let's, let's back up a little bit here. Young women, when they start their, uh, when they start their menses, what happens is the ovaries are starting to fire hormones. So the ovaries are about the size of a grape, and they are working. There is something going on on the inside, and there are hormones being made in your pituitary gland in the brain that is the follicle-stimulating hormone, the luteinizing hormone, and they help these eggs in the, in, the, uh, um, in the ovaries to slowly develop. They then jump into the fallopian tube during ovulation, and those cells, those eggs contain five hormones, estradiol, estrone, so 100% estradiol, about 60% estrone, the rest of the estrone is made in your adrenal glands, it makes about 60% DHEA, DHEA, the youth hormone that converts into estrogen and testosterone, also done in the adrenals. The adrenals lay on top of the kidneys, by the way, for those of you who don't know, not on your throat. Some people point at the throat or they point, point at, the, uh, at the sternum. 
And I said, no, that is the thymus. You got to go all the way to the back and then the kidneys and on top of your kidneys. That's where the adrenals are. Then it makes testosterone and it makes progesterone. So two estrogens, estradiol, estrone, testosterone, progesterone, and DHEA. So now the egg is moving through the fallopian tubes. And if there is no... um, if there is no fertilization by sperm, then the egg rolls and lands in the uterine wall. The uterine wall gets thicker t- at the time, starts to thicken up with blood vessels, and that happens at the time of ovulation. So that short period of time, those two weeks, the, the, the wall is getting thicker, and then what happens is the egg lands in it to be to be multiplied and divided and multiplied to turn into a fetus if it is if it is uh, fertilized by, by sperm. If it's not, it lands and somebody says in headquarters, fold alarm, <laughs> release, you know, release the egg and everything else. So the uterine wall detaches the, uh, the, 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 the bloody layer, the layer that is in there, and it all comes out, you have your menstrual cycle. Now, so we have the, <clears throat> in the early stages, doing menstrual cycles, women produce primarily the estradiol. When they hit menopause, the estradiol, the testosterone, and the progesterone stop being produced. The only thing then in menopause that you still make is some DHEA and some estrone. So you got to keep that in mind. And when these hormones are dropping, all kinds of issues happen with women. That is such a drastic change that many times, and we'll get into that, hormone replacement therapy has been suggested. But hormone replacement therapy has been very experimental and has caused a lot of problems. And sadly enough, Western medicine has not acknowledged that it has caused problems not just in many of the women, but problems down the road. And so this is something that is part of today's program that we're going to talk about it. So estradiol primarily doing during the early stages. However, when you are pregnant. When a woman is pregnant, all of a sudden, the ovaries stop working. So women do not have an ovulation for like, anyway, nine months. But then a few months after, while they're breastfeeding, there may not be any ovulation. Now, it is not smart to think that you have no ovulation for X amount of months uh, after giving birth. Many women are, you know, they need definitely uh, uh, some recovery time. But you could get pregnant because ovulation can start again. But during ovulation, during the pregnancy, the the hormones, the hormone estradiol is not being produced. And the hormone estriol, the estrogen estriol, and progesterone are working really hard during pregnancy in order to make the fetus healthy. And of course, we have that hormone estrotrol number the the estradiol number four of the estrogen number four and so that is all working now when women hit menopause no more estradiol you just make some estro estrone 
and you make estrone naturally converts into estriol, so you still may get some estriol, but the numbers are very low. So pregnancy, estriol, in menstruation, menstruating years, primarily estradiol, and in menopause, estrone. So hopefully that helps you, clears it up a little bit. The actions of estrogens are mediated by the estrogen receptor, which is a dimeric nucleoprotein that binds to DNA and controls gene expression. Since estrogen enters all cells, its actions are dependent on the presence of the estrogen receptor it's, uh, in the cell. The estrogen receptor is expressed in specific tissues, including the ovary, the uterus, and the breast. The metabolic effects of estrogen in postmenopausal women has been linked to the genetic polymorphism of the estrogen receptor. So, while estrogens are present in both men and women, they are usually present at significant higher levels in women of reproductive age. That's interesting, reproductive age. So, as we get into menopause and women, women's hormones drop dramatically they become much more equal to male hormone. They are not as extravagant in the estrogen department, but again, we're going to talk about it, how the environment has been exposed to so many estrogens, it still affects us one way or another. Estrogens promote the development of female sex sexual characteristics, such as the breast. They're also involved in the thickening of the endometrium, in the uterus, and in other aspects of regulating the menstrual cycle. In males, estrogen regulates certain functions of the reproductive system important to the maturation of sperm, and it may be necessary for healthy libido. So we do know that when testosterone is produced, part of the testosterone is actually converted into estradiol. And so... It is important for men to understand the word estradiol, E-S-T-R-A-D-I-O-L, to learn more about it, to have your doctor test you for it in a blood test, just ask for it, say, I want my total testosterone, my free testosterone, my estradiol, and I like my DHEA tested so that you have the hormones that deal a lot with what you are uh, possibly suffering from dealing with in life may actually affect you if we know what the hormone levels are and then we can do something about it so all in all there's a lot to be talked about here about estrogens stay tuned we will be right back To understand estrogens better, I think we're going to realize the importance or and responsibility that we need in order to protect ourselves from too much estrogen. It can cause all kinds of problems, and we simply have to be very careful about that. In any case, I uh, I thought let's talk about it. Let's get some get some ideas going and talk about some facts talk about some research and how does all this come together good morning caller thank you for joining what is your name how can we help you hey uh Jacobus. this is steve-o hi steve-o I'm, uh, 
How are you doing? I'm I, actually uh, doing well. Thank you. <laughs> Great, man. Good to, good to hear. Thank you. Um, while you're on the top of estrogens, um, you know, I work out prodigiously. I, you know, lift and I MMA cross train. And I during the course of that training, you know, I read several articles, you know, uh, I'm, you know, gains as far as, you know, not only stamina, but strength. And a lot of them suggested to avoid soy products. I don't know if there's estrogen mimicking compounds in there, but I used to drink soy because of the health benefits. But lately, you know, I've got off it because of those articles that I read. And also, I wanted to also pick your brain, Jacobus, on, you know, some of the other foods that may contain estrogen mimicking compounds or even estrogen hormones themselves like dairy products. Yes. You know, since my goal is to maximize my gains, especially for endurance, strength, and stamina, could you please make some recommendations there? And I'll I'll hang up and list your response. And once again, uh, appreciate you, man. And good advice, and, and appreciate your program. Oh, thank you, Steve-O. I actually have a little video clip that I would like to play, and I will uh, get that going in a moment, I can see if I can actually maybe get it right now because that's a good question, as Steve has. So, uh, Dr. Axe, Josh Axe, is somebody who has done a lot of research on, th- on this, and he actually came out with a little video clip that I thought was very interesting. And so, so he actually talks about the top five high estrogen foods to avoid. And this was published in 2014. Please listen, and I'll talk to you in about six minutes. Hey guys, Dr. Axe here. In this video, I'm going to talk about high estrogen foods you must avoid, and also estrogen-rich foods that can destroy your health and really cause major hormonal issues. And there are a lot of things that people are eating today that are disrupting their hormones, causing estrogen to be high, causing progesterone to be low. And some of the side effects are for men having more feminine characteristics, and for women, increased issues like hypothyroidism, autoimmune disease, chronic fatigue, and even ovarian cancer are some side effects of consuming too many estrogen-rich foods. So I'm gonna talk about the five estrogen-based foods and products you absolutely wanna avoid, and then talk about a food here at the very end that you'll wanna add into your diet to help your body detox the excess estrogen. So the first food that you wanna avoid that contains way too much estrogen, or what are called xenoestrogens, is soy. We know soy products today, especially processed soy, most of it is genetically modified. And consuming soy, again, very high estrogen-based food, and whether it be soy milk, soy protein powder, or just regular soybeans, this is something you wanna avoid. Now, soy started being consumed in large amounts years ago because it was so popular in Okinawa, Japan, but they consumed a different type of soy. It wasn't the genetically modified soy that we consume today. It was a type of soy called natto, which is fermented soybeans. So it was loaded with probiotics, vitamin K2, didn't have the same estrogen effects. And the reason why these estrogen foods are an issue is because they're called xenoestrogens. They increase estrogen in your body or they act like estrogen, which again increases your risk of breast cancer 
and cervical cancer in women. And for men, major testosterone issues, impotence, and other health issues. So again, soy, number one estrogen-rich food you've got to stay away from. Number two food is too much sugar. Too many sugars and carbohydrates can increase estrogen in your body and lower progesterone. So eliminate the processed sugar, get rid of grains in large amounts. If you're consuming large grains, switch over to doing more fruits, vegetables. If you need to do grains, sprouted grains are a better option, but really balancing out those ratios, lowering your carb intake, increasing your intake of healthy fats will also help naturally balance out and decrease excess estrogen in your body. Now, maybe the biggest offender of excess estrogen in your diet is consuming conventional meat and dairy products. In fact, I read a study recently out of Spain and they found that your average milk today contains 20 different chemicals and medications, including growth hormones like RBGH, as well as estradiol and other hormone-based medications. So again, think about this. You go your regular grocery store, pick up a gallon of milk, that milk, contains over 20 different medications and chemicals, which is gonna increase your estrogen. And this is why in my family practice in Nashville, I had young girls coming in, hitting their menstrual cycle closer to nine and 10 years old, rather than 13 and 14, because of all of these extra hormones and steroids in the milk supply. And the same goes for the meat you eat. If you are shopping on a budget and you don't have a lot of extra money to spend, if you're going to invest in your health at anywhere, make sure it's on your meat, so doing grass fed organic meat and raw organic dairy products because if you're doing those and they're not organic, we know they've got steroids and estrogen in them that's gonna increase your risk of all the things we talked about from cancer to autoimmune disease to other neurological issues. And then last but not least, again, we talked about getting rid of soy, getting rid of sugar, getting rid of the conventional meat and dairy. And then the last one here is a product, but stop drinking out of or eating a lot of things out of plastic containers that contain BPA. BPA stands for bisphenol A, and it's a compound in plastics that's known as an estrogen mimicker or a phyto or a xenoestrogen. And so staying away from the plastic bottles, especially when they're heated. If you leave a plastic bottle of water out in the sun, those, actually by about 90 to 100 times of those plastics will leach into the water. When you're drinking those, those will get into your system, causing these hormonal-based problems. And another thing along with plastics are Teflon pans. In fact, when you heat up Teflon pans, that heat actually increases these, what are called PFOAs, which are also estrogen mimickers by 400 times. And so again, heating Teflon pans, doing things uh, out of plastic bottles, another big no-no and things you absolutely want to avoid if you want to decrease estrogen. And here's my last tip. Obviously, we want to get rid of those foods and products. If you want to start detoxing your body of estrogen, there is a substance found in cruciferous vegetables called indole-3-carbonyl. It starts out as a form of sulfur in your body, and sulfur has powerful, or sulfurane, has powerful detoxification properties. So if you can eliminate those foods and start consuming more cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale, collard greens, these cruciferous vegetables will absolutely help your body detox with indole-3-carbonyl, as well as a few other things you may consider for detox is supplementing with milk thistle and dandelion, two other great things. So 
cruciferous vegetables, milk thistle are great to support your body detoxifying from excess estrogen. Hey guys, get those estrogen-rich foods out of your diet. Hey, this has been Dr. Axe. So, it almost seems on cue that Steve-O called and said, what do we need to do about this? So, thank you, Steve-O. Great question and definitely something I did want to address today. He brings up some very interesting things. Obviously, the estrogens and soy. So, he doesn't say, and I've, I got an email from somebody who said that the whole soy the the black the blackmailing of soy is what do you say it's debunked by other studies and i said too well it depends who wrote the study of course both ways and the the issue is with soy dr x says it in a josh x says it in a very good way he says we're not talking about the old soy we talk about the soy that has been processed to the point where most of the nutrients such as even the k2 the vitamin K2, which is so good to fight against arteriosclerosis, and which is so important for bone health, has actually been removed. Uh, some the, the the estrogenic compounds in soy, because it has been so uh, genetically manipulated in order to get these amazing crops to fuel the world, so to say, has been affected because of it and has lost a lot of its luster. So the outside can still look the same. The inside is just not the same. So I understand that. Now, sugar... That's an interesting thing because we we do know that sugar, number one, gives us energy, but sugar can also cause the, the amount of sugar that most people consume and that we find in so many different products, even though it is not always white sugar, anytime we consume too much sugar, we are actually raising not only the temperature in our body, but we're also causing issues that are inflammatory and so the inflammation that exists and the fat that has no so sugar turns into fat and when especially if it cannot be absorbed and trust me the 43 trillion cells in our body have been oversaturated with sugar-like products in the last 50 60 years so things have definitely changed. It's so funny when you see an old movie of Laurel and Hardy, it was always the skinny guy and the fat guy. And now you look at Oliver Hardy and you go like, well, he just looks husky. You know, he doesn't look like obese, but he looks husky. And it is interesting how our whole perception has changed to what what body type is normal and what is not. So a lot of people do not realize that the the sugars that we consume have no place to go. So they are, they go in the cell, but if the cell doesn't want them, we, we get more production of insulin. When there is too much insulin, then the cells start to resist the insulin. So we have, we, we hit a stage of prediabetes. We start, uh, the, the, the sugars become absorbed by the fat in your bloodstream, which is called triglycerides. And so we see the triglycerides go up one way or, and or they are stored in fat cells that are on the outside of the body. So either fat cells in the bloodstream, fat cells around the organs, or fat cells that are on the outside in our, in our skin. 
And so some people eat a lot of sugar and stay skinny because they have a fast metabolism and or they store it in different parts of the body. But some people will simply gain weight. And that is that is why sugar can cause all kinds of issues. Then the processed milks, milk products and the processed meats that Dr. Josh X brings up in his little uh, YouTube video. And by the way, you can look that up. You go to YouTube and then put in uh, Dr. Josh X or look up the top five high estrogen foods to avoid. The top five high estrogen foods to avoid. And he talks about processed milks and meats. Now, I did a show sometime in September, October this past year in which I talked about the the uh, the importance of raw milk, raw dairy. And I remember a, a couple of farmers calling me, and I have a lot of respect for farmers. My father-in-law and my, my mother-in-law uh, were farmers. And so I saw the fight, and I saw how hard they worked, and I saw how sensitive that whole industry is based on so many different factors of modern nature and the food supply as well. So I, I, I realized the struggles that farmers deal with in comparison to somebody just has an office job and, you know, just sits down behind the desk and does whatever. So, or even in retail, it's, it's hard work, very hard work. And, and I was educated by the farmers about the, these two mill dairy farmers about the fact that they were not using any hormones in their, uh, there was no hormone injections, etc. However, the food that a lot of the cows is given these days, I'm talking about the lots where in order to get as much production out of these cows, we want to make sure that the animals are fed uh, as quickly as possible, as much as possible. So not only by not moving them, do we keep the meat lean, uh, but also the milk production will go up. And so when you then check, and this is not something that that I have looked under a microscope myself, but there is plenty of research out there that most commercial dairy farmers have been instructed to actually use hormones in in the food or in injectables, however they do it, but not these two farmers that I that talk to me, but that somehow the the nutrients that these animals get have been in uh, how you say it enhanced by hormonal rich foods in order to make them grow fatter quicker, to keep the lean meat lean, and to make the milk more abundant. And so I have also realized that the homogenization and the pasteurization is something that therefore starts disrupting the the natural occurring hormones and can have an effect on how the hormones are being overheated and therefore are uh, the, the structure is destroyed so as people consume a lot of milk and i've mentioned before that you can go to the website realmilk.com realmilk.com in which they say that one gallon of milk out of a cow is producing about four gallons of product that you can find in a grocery store shelf. So there is definitely something happening to the milk very different than when it came out of the cow all the way to the point where it actually enters our stomach. There is definitely something going on. So the same goes with the meats, the processed meats, 
not just the processed meats such as the the sandwich meats or the processed canned food that i'm talking also about the meats if you don't have the grass-fed or the 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 farm-raised um uh, animals then you you realize that it could have different elements in the meat and so if indeed methods are used to make cows grow faster heavier than the natural the natural development would be otherwise then you have to wonder what of those elements that are put into the cow uh, or the pig or the the chickens are still showing up in the meat as we put it on our fork or hold it in our fingers and chew on it right so these are things that we we, we have to wonder you have to wonder it's not just because it's food it's there so is it maybe better to have something that is grass-fed from the moment it can walk and eat until the moment that it dies so not just grass-fed all the time and then corn fed corn fed or soy fed at the end of the cycle no 100 percent until until the uh, the killing so to say is it indeed clean now the plastics that was indeed a shock well we've known about it the bpa uh, the bisphenol a that the, the companies who are have said who used to have the bpa uh bottle of ha- used to have the plastic bottles they were told you got to take the bpa out well interesting thing is they took the bpa out they took put something else in give the plastic slightly different color it looks like this beautiful blue so people say oh that's a good that's a good one now they found out that the chemicals they put in instead of the bpa also has estrogenic effects and compounds in it and also that the effects that this can have on the body can be in the long run devastating and it's not just the plastics as he said that is in the bottles but it's also in teflon pans and also in gore-tex it's also in uh, in 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 all these products that in codes that have uh that repel the rain so that you know there is something in that structure of these products that we wear that we take that we eat that we use that has contains plastics we're not even talking and i'll get into that but i will always mention it you look also on all the electronics people who dump their cell phones throw the cell phone away batteries uh, with the cadmium uh, computers that are thrown away um, you look at equipment engines oil uh, the petrol in a way has estrogenic compounds in it because we make plastics out of that so these are all things that in my opinion we need to look at how can we avoid them or what can we do on a daily basis to offset what we are exposed to because for, don't forget that as these products are either coming back out of our body as these products are going to the landfill there is leaching going on that goes into the soil and that eventually will go into the groundwater and we just do not have the right kind of filters in our water processing plants to avoid that to neutralize that or eliminate it altogether it also keep in mind that as the rivers are going towards the oceans that the oceans have been affected and this has affected uh, fish and other wildlife 
that are dependent on the streams and waters that we are surrounded by. So all in all, there is a larger effect that soy, or excuse me, that soy, that, that, that estrogenic compounds provide to us. And as we come back in the next hour, I can't believe it's already one hour done. I told you, it's going fast. Let's talk about more detail about this and also how young children have been affected by these estrogens because it is unbelievable when you start thinking about it how young girls already start menstruating at age eight and nine and how some children they had a and I'll, I'll tell you the story how some children already in preschool or kindergarten started to develop pubic hair so definitely something to keep in mind gesundheit with jacobus we are going to be right back. Thanks for listening. The very, very, very essential and important hormone that affects all of us. And we call the earth Mother Nature. And Mother Earth, and we have Mother Nature. So Mother is feminine and the females make more hormones in the female side than the men make. The women make more estrogenic compounds. The men make more andro hormones, such as the testosterone, for example, but also some estrogens. And as we're talking about the the need for the uh, for life to have estrogen hormones, there has been a manipulation of the hormones as well, and that has had a strong effect not only on human beings but also on animal life and also on the environment and when you go to the environment and people are talking about global warming it's maybe a stretch that i'm saying this but i would not be surprised that the tremendous exposure to estrogenic compounds since the invention of plastics and the production of uh, petroleum products, which is, of course, necessary. But we have taken it to a point where we see that with the, the tremendous invention of plastics, electronics, herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, the use of hormonal preparation and replacement therapies, as well as certain manipulation of the foods that we eat, that the amount of estrogens that are being returned to Mother Earth through recycling, through uh, trash, through leaching in the groundwater could, in my opinion, very well have something to do with the warming of the Earth. And so we can we can say, well, the Earth is going in cycles and we're coming closer to the sun, which I absolutely believe as well. But I also believe that instead of talking about the, the cars are the big polluters, I tell you, if you take the amount of plastics that people have in their house and in their daily activities, that they use in their daily activities, and the amount of trash that is being dumped, I would not be surprised if that is more or equal to the amount of petroleum products 
in a way, what I should say, gasoline that everybody is talking about that we need to eliminate, that we got to go to electric cars. You know, I tell you what, if you look at batteries, they cannot be recycled. They literally have to be dumped in the trash. And those batteries, if you look at what powers a battery, those are minerals that of metal, heavy metals that actually stimulate or produce estrogenic compounds. And this is something that we can talk about electric. I think it is much cleaner to drive a car that has a clean fuel than that is not ethanol based, but that we actually have the petrol product and and of course i'm not a scientist here i'm just going by what i read and what i understand about this so the estrogens i think have started to affect planet earth now i want to come back to just abbreviate some of the things that i already talked and i just want to say that estrogens naturally the estradiol the estrone estriol and estatrone Estetone uh, number four, which is made during pregnancy, is I want to abbreviate some of that in <clears throat> in this article that is published by LifeScience.com, LifeScience.com, and that was on May 2nd, 2017, so two years ago, and it says over here in women, estrogen is produced mainly in the ovaries. Estrogen is also produced by fat cells and the adrenal gland. At the onset of puberty, estrogen plays a role in the development of so-called female secondary sex characteristics such as breasts, wider hips, pubic hair, and armpit hair. Now, the androgens, apparently, according to the other article I was reading, the, andro the androgens that are being produced are more involved in the development of pubic hair and also in acne. The estrogens also help regulate the menstrual cycle, controlling the growth of the uterine lining during the first part of the cycle. If the women's egg is not fertilized, estrogen levels decrease sharply and menstruation begins. If the, So that's right, all the estrogen comes out as well as the progesterone. If the egg is fertilized, Estrogen works with progesterone, another hormone, to stop the ovulation during pregnancy. Now, this is important because as we're going to talk more about it, we realize that the what the pill, when the pill came into, into power, so to say, uh, 50 years ago, that it started to do a similar thing. How can we lower the estrogen? and the progesterone so that the ovaries will not release the egg. During pregnancy, the placenta produces estrogen, especially the hormone estriol, E-S-T-R-I-O-L. Estrogen controls lactation and other changes in the breasts, including at adolescence and during pregnancy. Estrogen is instrumental in bone formation, working with vitamin D, calcium and other hormones to effectively break down and rebuild bones according to the body's natural processes. As estrogen levels start to decline in middle age, the process of rebuilding bones slows, with postmenopausal women eventually breaking down more bone than they produce. 
This is why postmenopausal women are four times more likely to suffer from osteoporosis than men, according to the Cleveland Clinic. Now, I do want to add something that I read in that book about uh, f- from Dr. Dr. Uh, Michael Platt about adrenaline dominance and his hormone, natural hormone replacement therapy, where Dr. Michael Platt, medical doctor, says that what one of the things that happen is, as I mentioned earlier, the ovaries produce five hormones during ovulation. That is testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, also estradiol, and estrone. So two estrogens, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA. When you hit menopause, you lose the estradiol completely that you naturally produce. You lose your progesterone completely that you naturally produce, and you lose your testosterone. So apparently, it is not just the the estradiol that produces bone. According to other research, it says that it is progesterone and testosterone. Testosterone, number one, is important for bone building. So it does not give women more estrogen, and then they will uh, they will build bone. The drop in testosterone and in progesterone are the number one and number two hormones for bone building. Estrogen also plays a role in blood clotting, maintaining the strength and thickness of the vaginal wall and the urethral lining, vaginal lubrication, and a host of other bodily functions. So plays a role in blood clotting and maintaining the strength and thickness of the vaginal wall. It even, estrogen even affects skin, hair, mucous membranes, and the pelvic muscles, according to Johns Hopkins Medicine. For example, estrogen can make the skin darker. It works indeed on melanin. Melanin is the pigmentation in the skin. Some researchers hope to use this information to create safe, fake tanning lotions by activating the skin darkening reaction in estrogen without triggering other changes in the body due to the hormone. If you expose melanocytes to estrogen, they respond by making more melanin, but they don't have the classic estrogen receptor, says Dr. Todd Ritke, senior author of a 2016 study on estrogen and skin color and an assistant professor of dermatology at the University of Pennsylvania. The hormone estrogen also, estrogens, also affects the brain. And studies also show that chronically low estrogen levels are linked with a reduced mood, according to the National Library of Medicine. Men produce estrogen as well, but at lower levels, lower levels than women. Estrogen in males is secreted by the adrenal glands and by the testicles. In men, estrogen is thought to affect sperm count. Overweight men are more commonly affected by low sperm count due to estrogen because there is more adipose tissue in the obese, more fatty tissue in the obese, which can set off the creation of excess estrogen. That was according to a 2010 paper published in the Asian Journal of Andrology. In 2011, researchers at American University in Washington, D.C. found a link between estrogen and the ability to control excessive inflammation in the brain. This research is hoped to help those with neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's disease. So that's really interesting, a link between estrogen 
and the ability to control excessive inflammation in the brain. Estrogen can also help with ovarian cysts, so PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Most of the time, nothing needs to be done to treat or prevent functional cysts, says Dr. Antonella Lavalane, an obstetrician at Boston Medical Center. However, for women who are prone to ovarian cysts, an estrogen-containing birth control may help reduce the risk of developing certain types of functional cysts. So I do not agree with that. I do not agree, do not agree with a birth control pill to reduce ovarian cysts. And it is simply because the birth control pill contains synthetic hormones, and that is not what we want. In particular, cysts that occur after ovulation. Oral contraception pills and the patch or the ring, which have similar mechanisms of actions, can help suppress ovulation. So again, I want to reiterate, I'm reading this article, but I do not agree that women should take birth control to avoid endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or uh, fibroids. There are other methods to do that because they are symptoms of what we call estrogen dominance, which I will discuss soon. There are many times through a person's life when estrogen levels may change. For example, estrogen levels naturally increase during puberty and during pregnancy. Estrogen, that is to puberty, is estradiol. During pregnancy, it's estriol. Estrogen levels fall after menopause or when a woman stops menstruating. This reduction in estrogen production can cause symptoms such as hot flashes, vaginal dryness, loss of sex drive, also uh, weight gain, and mood swings, fogginess. Estrogen levels also decrease after childbirth. Other conditions that can cause estrogen levels to drop include hypogonadism or diminished functions of the ovaries and polycystic ovarian syndrome. So other conditions that can cause estrogen levels to drop. You know, that's really interesting because there is a reason why a woman has PCOS or ovarian cysts. There is a reason why this happens. That is simply because there is not enough estrogen or there is too much estrogen in relation to the levels of progesterone produced. Progesterone is such an incredible, incredible hormone that most of us, partly because of the exposure to environmental estrogens, we get so much in coming in through the air that we breathe, the water we drink, the showers we take, where we swim, the bath we take, the food, the exposure to herbicides, insecticides, pesticides, uh, eating processed meats, uh, you know, so you name it all. We just do not make enough progesterone. I say we because it's the same for men. And women do not make enough progesterone. So when the body is telling you, hey, there is an imbalance between these hormones, how can it do that? Well, there are different symptoms. Symptoms. Polycystic ovary is simply a symptom that the body is using. It's the avenue that the female body is using to get your attention. So you start having polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very difficult. Painful menstruation, heavy bleeding, hair growth in areas where you don't want it, acne, it's it's not pleasant. It's, it's very difficult. Hair loss on the top, women start going bald. It is very difficult, but it is not because 
estrogen levels drop, it simply means that there is an imbalance between the hormones. Extreme exercise and anorexia can also cause a decrease in estrogen levels because women with low body fat may not be able to produce adequate amounts of estrogen. Well, don't forget, they are really working the muscles so they're building more testosterone. And that brings simply an imbalance in the hormones. Some postmenopausal women with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, have long durations of estrogen deficiency. Recent research has found that this deficiency could increase the risk of having more severe fibrosis. Estrogen is found in most oral birth control pills, along with the hormone progestin. I understand they're calling it a hormone, but in reality, it should be called a synthetic hormone. And when it is synthetic, it simply means that your body doesn't recognize it. So, if you want to take uh, the birth control pill, that is neither here nor there. The point is you are giving your body a synthetic hormone because it's put together so they can multiply it all they want and they just it's not a natural occurring hormone that is isolated. It is literally a hormone that's isolated and then synthesized so they can multiply it as many times as they want. Estrogen helps stop ovulation during pregnancy. And birth control pills mimic this effect by regulating the levels of estrogen and thereby preventing ovulation from occurring. So as I just mentioned, and don't forget, part of that deal is the inclusion of the hormone progestin. It's not just estrogen, synthetic estrogen, but also synthetic progestin. So I want to read this section one more time without interruption. Estrogen is found in most oral birth control pills along with the hormone progestin. Estrogen helps stop ovulation during pregnancy, and birth control pills mimic this effect by regulating the levels of estrogen and thereby preventing ovulation from occurring. Hormone replacement therapy, a treatment to reduce symptoms of menopause, also includes estrogen, which can be given in combination with progestin. This therapy is sometimes used to treat postmenopausal problems such as hot flashes, night sweats, anxiety, sleep problems, and vaginal atrophy, which is a thinning and drying and inflammation of the vaginal wall due to a decrease in estrogen. While there are many benefits to estrogen, well, obviously, uh, you know, we are producing estrogen. I just want you to know that there is also bad things in some cases. For example, elevated estrogen levels may cause an increased risk for injury. A 2016 study published in the Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise found that the risk of ligament injury may be mitigated by the use of oral contraceptives. So that's really interesting. The majority of breast cancers are also sensitive to estrogen, meaning that estrogen promotes tumor growth. So here we go. We need estrogen, and then we grow the estrogen, and then we get tumor growth. So there is something to say about estrogen uh, as part of the cancer deal, but uh, we need to understand it better. These cancers are called hormone receptor positive breast cancers. For people with these cancers, treatments to lower the estrogen levels or block estrogen production can be used to help prevent cancer recurrence after surgery or to slow down the cancer. It's not completely true. We need to increase the progesterone to bring it level with the estrogen. So anyway, stay tuned. I'll be right back.
I must be low on estrogen. Welcome back to the program, and we are entering the second part of the program, the second half, I should say. That means we just passed the cone, and we are now heading back home, so to say. Good morning, Carlos. How can we help you? There was this uh, major, major study of the Women's Health Initiative, an estrogen study that uh, was thought up by the scientists uh, that found that Although they thought if you increased estrogen to women, there'd be all sorts of miraculous help, but it increased breast cancer, heart disease, stroke, blood clots, and even incontinence. So they had to pull the study quickly after two, three, four years. Yeah. Uh, the Women's Health Initiative is, they had a lot of uh, women, uh, it was 27,347 people. And it just goes to show that bright thought uh, ideas thought up only by the intellectual mind may be way off base. Now, surgery may work at times, but it has turned into a slice and dice party by the medical establishment. I was just hearing about a guy that uh, has spent years being sliced up uh, going after his pain. Uh, there, there must be other ways of just being sliced smaller and smaller. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, in cancer control, they use a form of uh, old, old-fashioned uh, uh, mustard gas from uh, World War One to go after your tumors. So it's become uh, cut, poison, burn. So yeah. we have to be very cautious about agreeing what is popular in medicine because it may be debunked in uh, the future of medicine. Good point. Well, thank you for the input. Okay. No, it is definitely a something I know about, a women's health initiative. It's something that I haven't mentioned, but it is part of the stack. And uh, I'll I'll elaborate on that, and I really appreciate your input. Have a good weekend. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. And yes, the women's health initiative was indeed a study in which the use of Premarin, Premarin, which is pregnant mare urine, uh, that's the abbreviation from it, pre-mar-in, so pregnant mare urine. You think about it, you are taking estrogens that come out of a horse. And so is that the best way to go about it? We don't know. Uh, we don't know what else is going on with that horse. And then what they added to it is a synthetic Progestin. When they realized that women were getting too much estrogen and started, indeed, as Daniel mentioned, to show symptoms. Uh, so there was an eight-year study. It's, it started in 1996, and it was supposed to go all the way till 2004. And then the results would be published. And the so many women were diagnosed with disorders after a few years, such as heart disease, strokes, blood clotting, and different female-related cancers, such as breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, vaginal cancer, fallopian cancer. So all the female organs uh, 
were victim to an imbalance between the amount of estrogens and progesterone. And so what happens if you have any of these symptoms? We need to reestablish the balance. That's an important part to realize. It's about reestablishing balance. The way Western medicine decided to approach us was telling you that they were using estrogens and progesterone in the study. But what they were doing is they were talking about a synthesized estrogen taken from a pregnant mare's urine, Premarin, and adding to that a synthetic progesterone, which is called progestin, T-I-N, at the end. And that is what they can use and multiply. There is no patent on natural occurring estrogen. There is no patent on naturally occurring progesterone. And so it has been shown since that time, especially since that time, I would say, well, actually already in the 90s, in the 90s, the the uh, the extracts from Mexican wild yam were the most popular source that were taken in order to extract from an active component in the yam. It's called diocerea, D-I-O-S-C-E-R-E-A, diocerea. Uh, the diocerea contains elements that can be naturally converted into estrogens, progesterone, testosterone with the correct enzymes in the body. And that's what scientists have been able to do. They have extracted those enzymes and mixed them with the diacerea, thereby creating the hormone, the natural occurring hormone that had the exact same chemical structure, so to say, than the natural hormone. And so now you're talking about a natural hormone that you can bring in in order to replace what you are lacking or to add on to what you are low in. Those are important parts. The the Women's Health Initiative study was done on synthetic hormones. And so after four years, they four to five years, they said, oh my goodness, so many women were suffering and or dying that was specific part of this study that they abruptly stopped the study. So this was not a study that was done in an environment whereby women were told, listen, we got this figured out on a small scale. No, you ha- I actually thought, Daniel, that it was 100,000 women. But if you say 27,000 plus, that's fine. It could also be that 27,000 plus started having symptoms. Neither here nor there. I may have to look that up, what exactly the number was. But these women were under the impression that when the doctor gave them these pills, this medication, that they had already figured it out. They, most of them were not aware that they were part of an experiment. And you go back to the families now and you tell them, you know what, you were, thanks a lot for being the experiment, you know, and now you're six feet under. This is really a a problem. It is important that we, it is important that we do research on people. But the way these studies are being the expenditures of these kind of studies that has to cost 
many millions, millions, millions is ridiculous. And instead of people donating money to all this research that is not a natural research, I wish there was like a pot of a pot of gold somewhere where people can put the money in and grow it and say this we are donating to get more natural research done so that the FDA says, okay, well, here is a study done on natural estrogen, natural progesterone, and we are seeing an improvement because right now, all you can say, even on a program like this, Gesundheit with Jacobus, I cannot make any claims about a cure, a diagnosis, or a treatment. It, you, you have to say, it's not been tested, it's all anecdotal, and that's how it is. You have to protect yourself. And in a way, in a country where freedom of speech is very important and where I am not slandering anybody, I'm just saying, let's look at the facts and we see there is good research done. But at the same time, when it comes to balancing hormones, Western medicine hasn't figured it out. And they have done it for 50 plus years. So why don't you move over and let the natural research get, get some money into the natural research and, and support it? Support it. What's the big deal? The, the worst that can happen is that you empower people to become in charge of their own health. And I'm saying it's the worst you can that can happen is because when people become in charge of their own health and take responsibility or are being exposed to products that do not have those kind of side effects that we have discovered by the use of estrogens and synthetic progestins would be that they are healthier. And isn't that the whole purpose? Should be the whole purpose. The expense in medical costs to treat stuff that could have been avoided is staggering. And I totally feel that we need to become more aware of this and, and go after it. I hope you think this topic is interesting. I've had a good time preparing for it, and I think there is great information right here. But, you know, it is a um, it's something that we have to keep in mind, right? So... When we talked in the last half hour, not, uh, we started on the last half hour or right before that when Steve called us and said, I think there is an issue with these environmental toxins and the, the dangers of soy and the food that's being produced. So I thought I went and found an article that was published by National Public Radio, NPR, but it comes also with a soundbite. And I thought, let's play the soundbite because... I do believe it gives, again, some good information about what could be possible, what could be possible in order to balance out these hormones and what are we exposed to as human beings in the environment that is out of our control because of what we are, because of what is happening around us that we don't even notice. We don't even, some people do, they feel it, they can tell it on their skin, they can tell a change in their moods, in, in the products that we use. It is a big problem. I'd like to play that, but first I have a phone call. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining me. What is your name? How can we help you? 
Hi, this my name's Ed. I, I just uh, tuned in, but uh, sounds pretty interesting. Little factoid that I just became aware of, and that is that I just real you know there's 30 million people approximately in the U.S. that have type two diabetes, and there's another 80 million or so that have pre-diabetes, and it costs right now the the emphasis is on treating them after they get sick, and the cost right now is some. 300 over 300 million dollars a year and it's a thousand dollars per every man woman and child in the country is being uh spent on treatment and and very little or nothing on prevention yes and so a lot could be done for prevention it's pretty simple you know in terms of improving quality of foods and things like that cutting down on carbohydrates and sugars yes and which is hard for people to do but but it could be done it could be done uh Yes. Yeah, and so uh, that's just another side to this, is that uh, if you can prevent the disease, you're a lot better off than spending a huge amount of money trying to treat it. Yes. And you, the treatments treat the symptoms and don't really treat the underlying causes. Yes. So anyway, yeah. it just uh, sort of fits into what you were, you were talking about. Every time you speak, it fits in, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jacobus. Yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. the call. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Um, so let me play that little uh, bit that was on NPR, and that I'll, I'll give you the date in a moment, but uh, let's get this in. It takes about three and a half minutes, so we have enough time for that. Here we go. Many of you have been clearing your house of baby bottles and other plastic products because they're made with the chemical BPA. Research has shown that BPA can act like the hormone estrogen, at least in mice and in rats. Now, as NPR's John Hamilton reports, a new study finds that even plastics without BPA can release estrogen-like chemicals. Before you toss out your Tupperware, it's worth noting that scientists still don't know whether people are harmed by any of the chemicals coming from plastics. It's just not clear. And the new study doesn't look at health risks. It simply asks whether common plastic products release estrogen-like chemicals other than BPA. That's something George Bittner, a biologist at the University of Texas in Austin, had been wondering for a long time. So he sent a research team to stores, including Walmart and Whole Foods. Their mission? Buy a whole bunch of stuff made of plastic, the kind of stuff that might come in contact with food. Baby bottles, deli packaging, flexible bags. The team came back with more than 450 products. Then Certichem, a testing company that Bittner founded, chopped up pieces of each product and soaked them in either salt water or alcohol to see what leached out. Bittner says the tests made one thing clear. Most plastic products on the market today release chemicals having easily detectable estrogenic activity. Estrogenic activity means they act like estrogen. Bittner says about 70% of the stuff the lab tested released these chemicals. And Bittner says that was before they exposed the stuff to real-world conditions, simulated sunlight, dishwashing, and microwaving. Then you greatly increase the probability that you're going to get chemicals having estrogenic activity released. In fact, maybe somewhere between 95 to 98 percent. But what about all those things marketed as BPA-free? You know, dog bowls, bento boxes. In particular, we've concentrated on baby bottles and water bottles. We've tested them, and all of them have released chemicals having estrogenic activity. 
sometimes even more than products known to contain BPA. The testing doesn't show which chemicals are to blame. That's likely to be frustrating to manufacturers. But Bittner says consumers should be encouraged that at least some plastic products had no estrogen-like activity. He says that shows it can be done. Early reaction to the study was mixed. Some scientists wondered about the test's reliability. Others noted that wine and many vegetables also have estrogenic activity. And they note that Bittner has a financial interest in the testing lab and in a plastics company. But groups that have warned about BPA in the past seem to welcome the new research. This is really helpful because they took a look at very common products. Sonia Lunder is from the Environmental Working Group. She says the results suggest the concerns about plastics can't be solved by worried consumers at the checkout counter. It's a problem for government. Regulatory agencies like the FDA need to study the effects of chemicals leaching out of plastic. We know that EPA first proposed its hormone disruptor screening program 15 years ago, and it's made virtually no progress. Lunder says that until there are more definitive answers, worried consumers can follow the old advice to avoid putting those baby bottles in dishwashers or microwaves. Gee, we've long cautioned consumers to avoid extreme heat and cooling for plastics, to discard scratched and worn plastics, and uh, we feel like this validates one of our many concerns. The new study appears in the online edition of the journal Environmental Health Perspectives. John Hamilton, NPR News. I think that was educational. Uh, Not that I always like NPR, but it is, uh, you know, when they say something that is important, and I do like it. And you can actually look it up. You go to NPR dot org and you look up study most plastics leach hormone like chemicals and uh, by john hamilton it was published already in march 2011 by john hamilton and so it is an important thing i know we don't have a whole lot of time but most plastic products from sippy cups to food wraps can release chemicals that act like the sex hormone estrogen, according to a study in Environmental Health Perspectives. The study found these chemicals even in the products that didn't contain BPA. And so that is a, a which is a compound in certain plastics that have been widely criticized because it mimics estrogen. Many plastic products are now marketed as BPA-free, and manufacturers have begun substituting other chemicals whose effects aren't as well known. But it is still unclear whether people are being harmed by BPA or any other so-called estrogenic chemicals and plastics. Most studies of health effects have been done in mice and rats. The new study doesn't look at health risks. It simply asks whether common plastic products release estrogen-like chemicals other than BPA. And so it's so interesting that they use these plastic bottles and they cut them up, they chop them up in pieces and soak them in either salt water or alcohol to see what came out. And uh, the testing showed that more than 70% of the products released chemicals that acted like estrogens. Very powerful stuff. I'm going to take a break. Gesundheit with Jacobus will be right back. Thank you for listening. Now, there are those who move through life, never really have a symptom. There's a combination of reasons for that. Your, Your cholesterol your good cholesterol, HDL, may be very high. That's usually for people who heal very quickly. They don't have much, uh, they, they don't have many issues. But I tell you that if your good cholesterol is low in the 35 to 45 range, you're going to find that usually 
you are much more prone to little diseases and disorders all the time. That's how your body expresses itself. You're also more prone to heart disease. So what I'm trying to explain is that we have options when it comes to the topic of estrogens to help remove excess estrogens out of the body. And in the little video clip I played earlier with Dr. Josh X, he mentions cruciferous vegetables like uh, kale, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, and or take uh, supplements that can help to eliminate estrogen, specifically one called indole, I-N-D-O-L-E, I-N-D-O-L-E, indole, dash, the number three, dash, carbonyl, indole three carbonyl. That's a great product. You just use, as a man, you use two capsules a day. Women can do it two, two capsules a day. Do that for a while. I would say it may be good for you to test your estradiol level, especially if you are a man and or if you are in postmenopause, because you're not supposed to have that many estrogens, especially estradiol, at that high in age. You need some, it's great, but you cannot have too much or out of balance. So have a blood test, then start taking indole-3-carbonyl or DIM, D-indole-methane, D-I-M, the M for Mary, D-indole-methane, and then you will get... Uh, also a reduction of the estradiol. So what happens is the estrogens that get ex- exposed to, I always visualize it like a like a musical chairs, right? The musical chairs are there. We have the estrogen receptors on the in the cells, and all these estrogens are coming in the body, and somebody's playing the piano, and all of a sudden stops playing. All these estrogens jump on those estrogen receptor sites, and there's a bunch of them that don't get in. They're out of the game. Well, they don't like that. Nobody likes to be losing, right? So they start to become a little rambunctious. And so you need something that will tell those guys, come, 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 come over here with me. I'll take you somewhere else. I'll make you calm and peaceful. And so they're all kind of turning around. They become nice again. And then meanwhile, they're shown the door. So they come out through the lymphatic system and other systems in the body so that these bad estrogens, these the ones that were rambunctious, are not in the body anymore and do not cause any damage. So that's what we want to do, and that is done with something such as DIM, a product called calcium D, glucurate, calcium D, 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 D from dog, calcium D, glucurate, is another product, and the indole-3-carbonyl. So those are things that you can possibly think about lowering the actual total estrogen in the body. The other thing is what you can do is actually increase your natural progesterone. Progesterone, I see the natural progesterone hormone, not progestin, which is a synthetic hormone, but the natural occurring progesterone is available these days in creams and pills and trochees. You can go to naturopathic doctors. You can get that. Even medical doctors will prescribe it if you know what you're asking for. And it will go to um, to compounding pharmacies, and they will put that together for you. But you can also get it in creams that you can get at local health food stores, and you just put it on the inside of your forearm, or you can put it on your chest, or you, not the breast, but the, the upper chest, where right under the throat, or you can put it in your face. It's all good. 
but uh, uh, they also, that progesterone works like a chaperone. That's how I see it. It's not about estrogen being bad. Estrogen does what it does, but it needs to have somebody holding its hand and say, hey, 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 don't do that. You know, and if there's nobody supervising, you know what kids do. They may break a few things. So, any case, that's what we're going to talk about, some of the estrogen dominance issues. What is estrogen dominance? But before I do that, I have a caller on hold. Thank you, caller. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Morning, Jacobus. This is Pete. Hey, Pete. You know, I think scientific research is great into estrogen or whatever. Yeah. However, you, you better not rely on one study because you got, we've got researchers out there all over the world They'll create a couple, three false identities and claim that they're a, you know, peer review. They've run the study and replicated the study, which, you know, science should be doing all the time. Yeah. But they're not anymore. To make it up in the hierarchy, you got to do three papers a year. I see. Okay. Uh huh. So if they they come up with a study that shows that this product is good for this estrogen problem or whatever the problem is, yeah, yeah, that will get printed in a, a uh, journal, even though there are six other studies that show that don't that don't work. You're never going to see those studies. They don't get in the journal. They want positives for anything that's new, the research, a new pill, a new drug, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you've got, uh, as people, we need to be careful. Don't don't look at one study and say, oh, yeah, this stuff is great. i got to get some of this. You better look into it. Yes. In your business, Mr. Gates now, he wants the World Health Organization, which is responsible for many deaths and many illnesses, to be in control of natural medicines. Yes. I think they think it's too it's too crazy to allow people and it's not so much they're going to ban these nutraceuticals. They they want to um submit them to their level of potency. Yeah, and like the Europeans have done. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, people need to wake up and see what the heck's going on. And it ain't in this country. It, it's worldwide. I'll keep it in mind, Pete. I got to move yep. on. I got too much to talk about still. Okay. Hey, you thanks, buddy. Look at more studies. Don't just look at one. No, I, I realize that. That goes to everybody, right? Yep. Have yeah. a good one. You too. Bye-bye. So, estrogen dominance. The estrogen dominance has come to light when women starting experiencing problems when they were menstruating and the ovulation menstruation cycles in women from a young age usually around 13 14 about 30 years ago it was maybe 15 16 now it's getting younger and younger there are girls that are 10 years old that start menstruating. So this is a, uh, and by the way, that is also a problem. The longer you are producing these estrogens and progesterones and testosterones out of balance, if they're out of balance, the and, and the longer it takes for you to go into menopause, so the longer the years of menstruation keep producing this estrogen, 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 the higher the risk of female-related cancers. 
So, as I mentioned before, when a woman ovulates, and this also goes for men with prostate cancer, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. We're going to tie this in. When a woman ovulates, the ovaries release the five hormones I mentioned before. Estradiol, estrone, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA. When it's floating through the fallopian tube and the amount of estrogen is higher, especially estradiol because it is the most powerful one in the menstruating years, if the estradiol is higher than the amount of progesterone you're producing, we call that estrogen dominance. The symptoms that women can experience with estrogen dominance happens maybe all the time. Happens every month. Some women have issues every other month. That's because each ovary fires every other month. So one will go in January, March, May, July, September, November, while the other one goes in February, April, June, August, October, December. When that happens and the amount of estrogen is higher than the amount of progesterone, women can experience symptoms that range anywhere, and I'll mention them to you, from anxiety, depression, mood swings, foggy thinking, poor memory, headaches, migraines, breast tenderness, bloating, cramping, weight gain, long periods, heavy periods, irregular periods, endometriosis, ovarian cysts or polycystic ovaries, fibroids, acne, hives, allergies, infertility, including miscarriages, low libido, insomnia, fatigue, hair loss, female cancers of all the different organs of the female body, of the female uh, where hormones are produced, that are sensitive to hormones, such as your the breast, the ovary, the fallopian tube, the uterus, the cervix, the vagina. Also could be problems with calcium absorption and therefore bone health. So these are about 26, 27 different symptoms that women can experience. These symptoms are part of what is called estrogen dominance. And this is where a big problem comes in because when you hear the words estrogen dominance, you automatically think that this has something to do with too much estrogen. You simply make too much estrogen. But it is very important to, key, to, to realize that it has nothing to do with too much estrogen. It just means there is an imbalance. So you can have these symptoms when your body is, your ovaries are indeed producing, let's say there is a normal level. Let's say you are producing excess estrogen, but your progesterone production is normal. That's when you have those symptoms. That makes sense, estrogen dominance. But you can also have these symptoms when the estrogen is actually normal, just the way it's supposed to be, but your progesterone production is low. 
You can also have it when the estrogen is very, very poorly uh, produced for a combination of reasons. And then you have almost no progesterone. So if you imagine that, you have high versus normal, you have normal versus low, and you have low versus zero. Anywhere in that spectrum, the symptoms I just mentioned could happen to women, either all of them or one of them, very intense, or a combination of them. The more you have, the more sorry I am for you. Seriously, because it's really, really difficult to work, to make it through the day, to feel good about yourself, etc. It's tough. Now, when they're talking about cancers, I mentioned cancers. So, what doctors are saying is when a woman has estrogen-positive cancer, that means that they say it is the estrogen that fuels the cancer. Then I say, why would that not happen to everybody who has estrogen dominance? Because it finds an outlet in any of these 27 symptoms that I just mentioned. So if a woman has breast cancer and they say there's estrogen estrogen uh, stimulated, so they want to suppress the estrogen, then you say, yeah, but you need estrogen. It's naturally occurring that we have estrogens produced in the female body. They are not looking at the natural progesterone level production from the ovaries during the time of ovulation. So if a woman has normal estrogen production and you have low progesterone and you start having symptoms such as breast cancer, etc., and you have estrogen, what they call estrogen-stimulating stimulated cancer, then what they're doing is they're lowering the estrogen. Why not lift the progesterone production so that it is equal, that the chaperone of the estrogen, which is progesterone, is simply walking side by side, making sure that the estrogen doesn't turn into something bad. Estrogen doesn't want to do bad, but it can control itself. It needs help, and that help comes in the form of progesterone. So you don't lower the estrogen because it has nothing to do with it. It is stimulated with the est- by estrogen, but it is because the estrogen is free and clear to roam because there's nobody watching it. Look at the same time at prostate cancer. When men have prostate cancer, the doctors say it is stimulated by testosterone. So they just want to control these hormones. If testosterone stimulates prostate cancer, every 20 to 30-year-old male in this country should be loaded with prostate cancer. They got tons of testosterone, many of them. Why is it that a young man doesn't have prostate cancer, but we get prostate cancer at an older age? Men are at whatever their age is. If you're 60, you have a 60% chance of prostate cancer. 
If you're 75, a 75% chance of prostate cancer. If you haven't gotten it yet, your chance of getting it is getting higher and higher and higher. So you don't lower the testosterone because men lower testosterone naturally as they get older. We simply make less. The lifestyle is different. We're not exercising. We're not lifting the weights. We're going to retirement. But what has been growing is the amount of estrogenic compounds. The estrogenic compounds in the environment, as we just heard in the NPR story, and I have another story that I can talk that I can let you listen to. We see it, what Dr. Josh Axe mentioned, the soy food, the sugars, the plastics, the processed meats. Uh, the, the, these are all the, the processed milk products. These, they have all shown to be high in estrogenic compounds. So it is not that we are lacking estrogen and you don't want to bring down the estrogen level in the human body from its natural production. You want to bring it down in the human body and in the environment by increasing the progesterone and by starting to eliminate the overexposure of estrogens. So when men have prostate cancer and I tell them, do me a favor, do a blood test, find out where is your total testosterone and where is your estradiol. Because we make, we men make estradiol from testosterone through an enzyme called aromatase. At a young age, we make it very little. We make primarily testosterone and that aromatase is only making a little bit estradiol some of it is dihydrotestosterone but that is how we break it down as we get older the amount of testosterone simply starts to diminish it's just a fact of life so but at the same time the estradiol is climbing because of the environmental estrogens we've been exposed to in the last 50 years the xenoestrogens x-e-n-o xenoestrogens Lowering the xenoestrogens is key to avoiding or fighting prostate cancer, breast cancer, etc. Increasing progesterone, increasing testosterone are the keys to avoid prostate cancer, avoid breast cancer, in my opinion. And of course, people may disagree. You can disagree. I hope you stay with me the last half hour. I can't believe it's that fast, but we will be right back. We talk about estrogen dominance here. So estrogen dominance is, in my opinion, the wrong terminology. I think it should have been progesterone deficiency. Because if that would have been the case, everybody knows exactly what to do. However, the medical doctors will give you a synthetic progesterone, even though it's called progesterone, methroxyprogesterone or something like that. But it is real in parentheses, it says it's Prempro which is, or, or Provera, which is a synthetic progestin, T-I-N. So anytime you work with birth control methods, it's usually a synthetic progestin, T-I-N at the end. Very important to keep in mind. Now, as I, as I mentioned, you know, there's so much to talk about here. Um, let's see, where is the article I wanted to, oh, yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, this is, so again, so when we talk about estrogen, 
And the benefits of estrogen, I want to run through these. So estrogen is not evil. It's not. We're talking about natural estrogen versus synthetic estrogens. Natural estrogen is very important structurally. It mediates formation of female secondary sex characteristics. And this includes uh, what comes up during puberty, breast enlargement, widening of the hips, pubic hair, menstruation, all that stuff. Estradiol accelerates metabolism, increases fat storage, uh, increases fat store, and doesn't have to be bad because women who are very skinny have a hard time holding on to the, uh, you need some fat on the body. You know, it's not healthy to, as long as you can, be almost skinny to the bone because you have nothing to hold the hormones on. It stimulates endometrial growth, increases uterine growth, increases vaginal lubrication, thickens the vaginal wall, maintenance of vessels and skin, and it reduces bone resorption, thereby increasing bone formation. It is involved in protein synthesis. It is involved, estrogen is important in coagulation. It is important for our fats, our lipids. It increases good cholesterol. It increases, balances triglycerides. It decreases LDL and fat deposition. It is important estrogen regulates fluid balance, uh, salt or sodium and water retention. It also increases your natural cortisol production and your sex hormone binding globulin. That is the vehicle, I call it the Uber driver, that takes the hormones to where they need to go. And so as we get older, usually the Uber driver is getting, we make less hormones, and then the Uber driver sits there and says, well, let me wait till I fill my car before I go from point A to point B. So when the sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, on your test is high, over 50, that means that you may be holding on to hormones instead of getting them to where they need to be. And so estrogen seems to help with that. It's important for the gastrointestinal tract. It reduces bowel motility and it increases cholesterol in bile. It is important for skin uh, pigmentation, the melanin, cancer. It supports hormone-sensitive breast cancer. So you think, oh boy, this is really bad. No, 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 no. There is a difference between synthetic estrogens and natural estrogen. Estrogen doesn't cause cancer. It is the imbalance between estrogen and other hormones, testosterone, uh, progesterone is out of, fun, out of whack. Estrogens help lung function, uh, helps the uterus lining. So estrogen together with progesterone promotes and maintains the uterus lining in preparation for implantation of the fertilized egg and maintenance of the uterus function during gestation period. It also upregulates oxytocin receptor in the myometrium. Estrogen is necessary for ovulation. At uh, surge in estrogen levels induces the release of luteinizing hormone, which then triggers ovulation by releasing the egg from the follicle in the ovary. It is also important for sexual behavior. That means estrogen promotes sexual receptivity and induces other behavior. In, in non-human mammals, it also induces estrus, which is in heat, which is prior to ovulation. Female non-human mammals are not sexually receptive without the estrogen surge, i.e. they have no mating desire when not in estrus. Sex drive is dependent on androgen levels. 
only in the presence of estrogen but without estrogen, free testosterone levels actually decrease sexual desires. Really interesting. Now, I wanted to give you these numbers. Now, one of the things that came up in this article, and this was still from the um, Wikipedia article, a pretty long article, it's very, very interesting if you have a chance to read it, but one of the things it talks about is, an, is it, it mentions a study that was done on young people, and I gotta, I'm finding it over here, so a little bit about the history that came up, I think is also interesting, in 1929, Adolf Butenant, Butenant and Edward Adelbert Doisy independently isolated and purified estrone, the first estrogen to be discovered. Then estriol and estradiol were discovered. That's why estrogen is E1 and estradiol is E2 and estriol is E3. So then estriol and estradiol were discovered in 1930 and 1933, respectively. Shortly following uh, the discovery, estrogens, both natural and synthetic, were introduced for medical use. Examples include estriol glucuronide, which came in medications called eminin and progynon, Estradiol benzoate, conjugated estrogens, which is premarin, so that comes from the pregnant mare's urine, and some other medication. The environment. I want to talk about the environment one more time because I want to let you listen to another little clip. Even though the clip talks about the environmental toxins and breast cancer, it still gives you an indication how important this is that we are careful with what we do. A range of synthetic and natural substances that possess estrogenic activity have been identified in the environment and are referred to xenoestrogens. So such uh, synthetic substances as BPA, bisphenol A, and metalloestrogens such as cadmium it is found in plant products with estrogenic activity that are called plant estrogens, such as genistine, diazine, cumestrol. These are many ingredients that are found in soy products. And those produced by fungi, fungi are known as mycoestrogens. Estrogens are among the wide range of endocrine-disrupting compounds because they have high estrogenic potency. When an estrogen-disruptive endocrine disrupting compound makes its way into the environment it may cause male reproductive dysfunction to wildlife the estrogen excreted from farm animals makes its way into freshwater systems during the germination period of reproduction the fish are exposed to low levels of estrogen which may cause reproductive dysfunction to male fish some hair shampoos on the market include estrogens and placental extracts. Others contain phytoestrogens. In 1998, there were case reports of four prepubescent African-American girls developing breasts after exposure to these shampoos. That was 1998. In 1993, 
the FDA determined that not all over-the-counter topically applied hormone-containing drug products for human use are generally recognized as safe and effective. G-R-A-S, generally recognized as safe, GRAS, and are therefore misbranded. An accompanying proposed rule deals rule deals with cosmetics including that any use of natural estrogens in cosmetic products makes the product an unapproved new drug now in addition to being considered misbranded products claiming to contain placental extracts may also be deemed to be misbranded cosmetics if the extract has been prepared from placentas from which the hormones and other biologically active substances have been removed and the extracted substance consists principally of protein. Now, I want to tell you a little bit. There was an article, so it linked to a study, and I printed out the study, and it was published in October 17, 2006, in this case in the science uh, section of the New York Times. And it's called Preschool Puberty and a Search for the Causes. Preschool Puberty. And it was written by Dashak Shanghavi. It goes as follows. I mentioned, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but definitely the one that are important. Parents often think that children grow up too quickly, but few are prepared for the problem that Dr. Michael Dedekian, Dedekian and his colleagues at the University of Massachusetts Medical School reported recently. This, we're talk, again, we're talking 2006. At the annual Pediatric Academic Society meeting in May in San Francisco, they presented a report that described how a preschool-age girl and then her kindergarten-aged brother mysteriously began growing pubic hair. These cases were not isolated. In 2004, pediatric endocrinologists from San Diego reported a similar cluster of five children. It turns out that there have been clusters in cases in which children have prematurely developed signs of puberty, outbreaks similar to epidemics of influenza, or environmental poisoning. So it's on the rise. That's what they're saying. In 1979, the medical journal The Lancet described an outbreak of breast enlargement among hundreds of Italian schoolchildren probably caused by estrogen contamination of beef and poultry. Similar epidemics in Puerto Rico and Haiti were tracked by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the 1980s. Increasingly, though, the science is still far from the definitive and the precise number of such cases is therefore highly speculative. So increasingly, some physicians worry that children are at a higher risk of early puberty as a result of the increasing prevalence of certain drugs, cosmetics, and environmental contaminants called endocrine disruptors. Endocrine disruptors that can cause breast growth, pubic hair development, and other symptoms of puberty. Most commonly, outbreaks of puberty in children are traced to accidental drug exposures from products that are used incorrectly. So here we go. Dr. Dedekian's first patient was evaluated for possible genetic endocrine problems and a rare brain tumor before the cause of her puberty was discovered. So she, she had other symptoms, and then while they're researching this young child, they discover the other problems. It turned out that her testosterone level was almost 100 times normal in the range in the range of an adult man. The same problem affected her brother. The doctors realized that the girl's father 
was using a concentrated testosterone skin cream bought from an internet compounding pharmacy for cosmetic and sexual performance purposes. From normal skin contact with their father, the children absorbed the testosterone, which caused pubic hair growth and genital enlargement. The boy in particular also developed some aggressive behavior problems. I mean, it must be hard for a young boy to have genital enlargement and then try to run. But that's neither here nor there. Sex hormones are potent because they're easily absorbed through the skin and resist degradation better than many other hormones. Unlike protein-based hormones like insulin, sex hormones like testosterone and estrogens are technically steroids, meaning they are derived from cholesterol. Made by the liver, cholesterol begins with tiny pieces of sugar that are joint, twisted, and oxidized in a dizzying series to make an end product that resembles the interlinked rings of the Olympic emblem. Through further processing primarily in the gonads and adrenal glands, cholesterol is converted into sex hormones like estrogen and testosterone. Of course, there's also pregnenolone, there's also progesterone, cortisol, there's different kinds. At that time... 2005-2006, unregulated pro-hormones were available as topical sprays used to enhance libido. Dr. Jones, Kenneth Lee Jones, the former chief of pediatrics at the University of California, San Diego, he said the sprays used by adults in some households permeated the children's bed sheets and the early puberty stopped only when the adults stopped using the sprays and also discarded the old sheets. Testosterone-containing products are not the only trigger of disordered puberty in children. In a 1998 paper in the journal Clinical Pediatrics, Dr. Chandra Tawari, the former chief of pediatric endocrinology at Brooke Army Medical Center in Texas, reported an outbreak of early breast development in four young African-American girls who used shampoos that contained estrogen and placental extract. The early puberty reversed once the shampoo was stopped. In the tradition of previous physicians who deliberately exposed themselves to possible pathogens, Dr. Tawari tried the shampoos on himself. He carefully measured his own levels of various male and female sex hormones to establish his baseline. He used the shampoos for a few days, then he repeated the test. While Dr. Tawari is quick to admit that his unpublished findings must be interpreted with great caution, of course, some of his sex hormone levels changed by almost 40 percent after he used the shampoos. In some cases, substances other than sex steroids may also disrupt normal sexual development. In, a bo- in Boston at the annual Endocrine Society meeting in June, Clifford Block of the University of Colorado School of Medicine presented several cases of young men who had developed marked breast enlargement from using shampoos containing lavender and tea tree oils, which are widely used essential oils additives that present no problem for adults. Now, I do not know if those are pure essential oils or if they are adulterated oils that have a lavender or tea tree oil flavor. So I, I before I say... This is what happens. It's interesting. Purely pure essential oils as they are available, organic, pure, 100% is very different than synthesized 
uh, essential smelling oils. Um, so, why do you use essential oil additives that present no problem for adults? Unlike Dr. Dedekian's case, these cases were not a result of passive transfer from parents. The boy themselves used the shampoos. Um, while pediatric endocrinologists, pediatric endocrinologists have implicated pharmaceutical or personal care products for causing pubertal problems in children, some environmental scientists also claim that some widespread industrial and pharmaceutical pollutants harm the normal sexual development of fish and animals. By extension, they may also contribute to earlier or disrupted puberty in children. They also say it may have caused a shift in worry from cancer to non-cancer effects in environmental pollutants over the last decades. In 1994, scientists found that estrogen-like chemicals from plastics manufacturing plants that had contaminated sewers in England caused genetically male fish to develop into females. In the early 1980s, major spills of the DDT-like pesticide Dicofall in Florida led to the feminization of the reproductive tracts of male alligators. <laughs> Ralph Cooper, the chief of endocrinology at the Reproductive Toxicology Division of the Environmental Protection Agency, says various sources of endocrine disruptors, like manufacturing chemicals, may be leaching into the environment. While their relation to pubertal problems in children remains highly speculative, he believes further study is needed. So, in a nutshell... We, and I, I don't have time to play that last piece because we're running out of time. Estrogens are important for health. It is the imbalance between estrogen production and the progesterone production in women that may cause issues such as cancer, breast cancer, fallopian cancer, uterine cancer, vaginal cancer, all that stuff. That is all part of the deal when there is an imbalance so that doesn't mean that you have too much estrogen it has to do with estrogen dominance but it has to do with you have more estrogen production than you have progesterone production when there is an imbalance you can have all the symptoms i mentioned before including cancers in men when men have prostate cancer it's usually not because you have too much testosterone, which the doctor likes to tell you and puts you on a medication called Lupron to lower the testosterone. Because if testosterone causes prostate cancer, then every young man in this country is full of prostate cancer. No, it comes when we are older in age. Older age causes prostate cancer. And why is it? Because the testosterone goes down, but the environmental toxins, the environmental pollutants in herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, in processing meat, in processing dairy products, the dairy products that are being done, in food such as soy products, for example, in cosmetic products, even vaccinations are now talking that fetal tissue is being used in vaccination. I don't know how much that affects the estrogens, but it is something that shouldn't be allowed. And when you, you think about it, that is a big problem. But if you look at the chemicals and then these chemicals 
go into the environment, people toss it. Then you have the batteries that go away. Even cars that run on batteries, they cannot be recycled. They go and they leach in the environment, causing all kinds of problems. So that is, in my opinion, why the planet is heating up. It definitely affects it. And so this is something we need to search further. I thank you for your time. And I hope you will listen again next week, Saturday from 8 to 11. Talk to you then.